I do look at the roster and what we have in the coaching staff. We should win games. We have to perform, though. We're going to hold ourselves to a high standard no matter what happens. You know, defense is going to do what they do. And last time I heard, they can't win if they don't score points. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Your chance to get an in-depth preview of the week ahead in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Kim Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Going to be a lot warmer this week for your Cleveland Browns as they hit the road on their way to Landover, Maryland to take on the Washington Commanders at FedEx Field this coming Sunday. Good evening, friends. Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry. It is the Cleveland Browns preview show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Gerard, as we do each and every broadcast. Good evening, friend. Good evening, Kenneth. Wonderful to hear your voice. Away we go with four downs. First down. All right, first things first for your Cleveland Browns. Saints 17, Browns 10. Saints ruined the Browns' Christmas by eliminating the Browns from playoff contention. Just a rough day in extreme conditions by the Browns as they fall to 6-9. and nine. Gerard, what did you see when you are on there on the field? Well, what I saw was simply put, a Saints team that did not quit. We're down 10-0 and said, you know what? We're embracing the elements. We got on this plane. We're not with our families right now, so we might as well make the most of it. And you know what they did? They made the most of it. Took over that football game from a physical standpoint, from an execution standpoint, and simply showed that they wanted more. And guess what? They got the win. It was a. It was obviously bitterly cold. You were down there on the field. You saw how everything went down. You know, for the Browns and how things went defensively. You know, trying to be able to hold things down. Did you? Did you think we'd see as much Taysom Hill? As we yeah. ended up seeing him. You did. Yes. Go ahead. Of course Go you ahead. would see him because he can run the football. And in those conditions, what do you want to do? You want to run the football. And on top of that, if guys, if it takes three or four guys to bring you down every time you touch the football, why would you not keep running him? So it made all the sense in the world to utilize him. They tried passing. They tried getting Dalton involved, and that obviously didn't work. So what did they do? They went to a situation where they pretty much brought back the Wildcat, and it worked very well. Yes, it did. On to second down. Second down. Plenty to play for with two games left. The offense continuing to try to mold with new quarterback Deshaun Watson. Opportunities for guys to put film out there. Playing for pride, giving yourself momentum going into the offseason, so on and so forth. Deshaun Watson talked about that. Said that there's a lot of things that they have to play for. You know, going back to that game uh, back on Saturday, Gerard, I, I think that, you know, you go back to the fourth and ten, the sack that ends the football game. I, I think that's kind of frustration boiling over where, you have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who, who probably should have had a catch in the corner. Mm-hmm. You, you go from David Ajoku, who probably should have had a catch over the top. Mm-hmm. You had the, the slip and fall by Amari Cooper that could have been a touchdown as well. I mean, you have three plays right there that probably could have been touchdowns, and I, I feel that Deshaun felt like he had to do everything himself, and it led to that second end of the football game. Right, because at some point it's like, okay, i got to make a play, i got to stay alive, and ultimately they're going to get to you. Fourth play, fourth attempt. They're going to figure things out. Guys are going to adjust on the defensive side. But I'm not looking away and not saying that you're suggesting this by any stretch of imagination. For those who are, though, that game was not Deshaun Watson's fault. He put his team in a position to tie the game. And if you went for the two-point conversion, win the game. He got the football and drove his football team. Obviously, he doesn't do it alone. Down the field and put him in a position to actually score. And on two occasions, you should have at least been at the goal line or scored. But balls were dropped because guys simply, what, didn't make plays. So I walk away from there saying, yeah, it was a fourth down sack, and people say, you can't take that sack. Mm. Well, the man put the team in three out of four times. At some point, the defensive guys get paid too. 
Gerard, how would you go about molding that offense around around Deshaun Watson at this time? How, two, two games left. What is there still left to do? Well, at this point, if it's about Deshaun Watson, you might as well just, no matter what the circumstances is, pass and let him work on connecting. Now, we say this all the time, and in some cases it is true, about momentum for the next season. And there is, it can be the case, but also you can have a situation where you play well next season, you rest on your laurels, and you get your butt kicked throughout the course of the season. So ultimately, how if, if I was on this football team, how I would be approaching it is that I better go out there this week of practice and prepare like I've never prepared before and give an effort like I've never given before and show this football team that I can be part of the solution along with Deshaun Watson. And ultimately, from a play calling standpoint, yeah, see which receivers work. See where Deshaun can work on that chemistry with Coop, with Diamond Peoples-Jones with Njoku and the other guys out there, the young guys. Give them opportunity as well. Because on top of that, it's going to be 50-degree weather, so you might as well pass it. Yeah, it's going to be much nicer for everybody over there at FedEx Field. going to be nicer throughout the country considering considering how bitterly, terribly cold oh. it was all throughout basically the north part. It, well, goodness, I, I, I heard what was it on Saturday morning. What was it, like 48 degrees on South Beach? I think yeah, it was crazy. at that time, so it yeah. was pretty cool. Uh, over at over on South Beach, so I can't even say. I, I guess it's bitter cold to them. So I'll say it was bitter cold throughout the country back on Saturday. Let's go to third down. Third down. Well, it's official. Jack Conklin signs a multi-year extension to remain a re- remain a member of the Cleveland Browns. The entire starting offensive line, except Ethan Posick, is set to be back for next season. Gerard, how do you see this offensive line shaping up? Well, ultimately, that guy's under contract. So that's a beautiful thing. And also, too, what you hope is that Ethan Posick does not get plucked from us and that he remains a Cleveland Brown. Because I'm here to tell you, Ken, if you got a guy that's playing in the top five NFL centers on how he goes about his business, do you want to get rid of that guy? I would say no. You want to keep that guy within the fold. And the offensive line, obviously, from a run-blocking standpoint, has been tremendous when he's been on the football field. Um, I, I like what Ethan Posick has done. You know, with Jack Conklin, I think I think it says two things. I, I think that, you know, at first I thought that he, he might be a casualty because of his salary. At first, when I saw the four years, I was a little surprised. And then, you know, when you look at it, you see, okay, it's two years, $31 million guaranteed over that. I said, okay, that's about the going rate for a right tackle, especially a veteran right tackle who's been good. I, I think that you have to look at the market. The market... Are you going to end up paying just as much for a guy who's not as good? Probably, if you're going to go to the open market. Mm-hmm. Also, do you have to go to the draft? And are you creating a hole by letting go of Jack Conklin if you were going to go into the draft? I think that that's a question that you have to ask yourself. You know, James Hudson, I think he's close. I, I think that James think Hudson can close. compete next year. Yeah. I, I think he can I think he can compete for a roster spot next year. I think that when we look across this offensive a line. A roster spot or a starting spot? Oh, excuse me, a starting spot. Not a roster spot, a starting spot. I, I beg your pardon. I meant I should have said starting spot, uh, I, and I mean starting spot. I think he's right there. You know, Ethan Posick's going to be a, a conversation to have because you're going to have Nick Harris back, and, and they had a lot of hope for Nick Harris. And now I think it's a little bit more of an even, even playing field where you've had Ethan put something down on paper and, and on tape that's been very, very good throughout this season. And unfortunately, he had that ACL injury in the first preseason game. He's a draft pick by this team. You know, they like their draft picks, so we'll see how this thing plays out. But I think if you're an offensive line fan, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this offseason shapes up for the Cleveland Browns heading into 2023, Gerard. When, when you bring in Jedrick Wills into the conversation, 
You bring in Ethan Postick into the conversation as well as Nick Harris. At those two positions at left tackle and center, you know, I think it's I think it's a big conversation to have because this offensive line at one time was the pride of the entire AFC. I think that it can still be there, but you've had to have guys stay healthy because when you have to go down to your fourth team center, you're going to have problems there, and I think that's Bill Callahan's tried to do his best with it. I think that their offense has tried to do their best with it. Alex Van Pelt, Kevin Stefanski, there's only so much you can do when you lose that many people at one position, especially a position as important as center. All right, we go to fourth down. Fourth down. Carson Wentz on Sunday, Gerard. Carson hmm. Wentz. I know. Resurrected. Thoughts. <laughs> uh, interesting. On he... Sunday, no less. Right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing about it is he came in, and he almost had a couple mishaps, but obviously he didn't play as well as I can always struggle to say his guys. Hanky, Heinke. I can't say his name. Save Heineke. my life. Heineke. I always think of Meineke, and so it helps me say Heineke. There you and go. So he came in. If you look at the, story, and, it, yeah. and if you look at his attempts and completions attempts, it looks it looks good. But I'm like, do you really make this move in the midst of a run in which one guy was primarily responsible for where you're at? Why make oh, that move? Makes no sense to me. Oh, I but they made that move. I think he's proven. Oh, I think he's proven it right now. I really do. I, I think that I think that Heineke's proven it right now. Now I I think that Ron Rivera's done a fine job. A fine job. But you had that Giants game that was a tie. Then he had the bye week. Boy, what a late bye week after December 4th, for crying out loud. Then you have a loss to the Giants again after the bye week, where those are two games that you could have won. Well, you got robbed and then San Francisco. what it's worth. San Francisco, fair, but San Francisco, I didn't think you were going to have a chance at all. And I think that when you look at Taylor Heineke, I think you're seeing what he is. I think that he's a guy who can come in and play, and you can win a few games with, but I don't think that he's a clear-cut starter in the NFL, certainly not yet. So I, I think that Ron Rivera, I think it's Hail Mary time for, for the Washington football team. Right? Excuse me, for the Washington Commanders. I think that they're trying to – I think they're – I'm watching Sam Pittman lose his mind right now, almost Bill Cower style in the Liberty Bowl, so that took my attention <laughs> for a second there. I mean, he, it was almost like I thought he was going to bring a photo down and stuff it in someone's shirt pocket. Um, I, I think that Ron Rivera is looking at it going, all right, we're 7-7-1. Seven, seven and one. We're trying to make the playoffs here. We've lost two big games, three big games in a row, two big games in a row, and that tie. And I think he's going to try something with Carson Wentz, and yeah, we'll see I if it works. I don't because I, I think I, that Taylor Heineke's been figured out. Well, baby, but I watched that Giants game, and I didn't walk away from that game saying, "Okay, it's Heineke's fault." Again, I put the onus on the officiating. It was horrible. But with that being said, Carson Wentz with twelve for 16, 123 yards, one touchdown. And so what they're saying, he's back. All right, because I watched I watched some of that game with the Commanders versus the 49ers, and he almost threw another interception. But I guess they're going to ignore that. I'm talking about Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I, I think what they're going to do, I think they're going to try to line up and run. I mean, I would. I, I know that they have, what, Brian Robinson is banged up. Antonio Gibson's also Why banged up. I think if I look at their participation, well, I'm just saying, I, I think that they're – they're going to try to get if they can, if this is a team. Think about the way this team started the season. I, I thought that Ron Rivera was just going to get fired, and that was going to be the end of it. Right. Well, well, and well, they're well, they are in the playoff hunt right now. Well, here's the thing. Go Ken. ahead. In situations like this, the best thing that you could possibly do is run the football. And you're probably saying, "Why yeah. run the football?" Oh, yeah. Well, when you run the football, it makes the game a hundred times much more physical than passing the football. 
And when you have a team that's in a situation, that being us, the Browns, in which you have nothing to play for but what we talk about, our pride, well, guess what getting beat up 40, 50 runs does to your pride? At some point, and if you've shown signs and tendencies of this already to say, you know what, I don't want that smoke, no moss, no moss, it will wear you down, and eventually what you've been put on the football field all season long will reveal itself. So for the Reds, excuse me, the commanders, to not understand that and not run the football would be foolish on their part. Washington has too many names over the last five years. they got to figure one out and just go with it. My goodness gracious, I was almost calling them the football team. You almost called them by the old, old name, my goodness gracious. I mean, we might, so one of us is going to call them the Nationals by the time this show's done. I mean, my goodness gracious. <laughs> or maybe the uh, Wizards. Antonio Gibson Antonio Gibson right now uh, did not practice today with a foot and a knee injury. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr., and I know he's been banged up a little bit. He is. He was a full participant today. He is still nursing a quad injury there. Brian Robinson is. So we'll see what they would do. But, yeah, I, I got to agree with you. I would try to do the, the rush attack, and they got some very good wide receivers there. Terry McLaurin's a pro bowler. You have Curtis Samuel, who's a pro bowler, both a couple of former Buckeyes there. And I, I know it might be tempting, but I, I agree with you. I try to line up and try to run. And, I mean, in the fourth, in the third quarter, if, if you're running at a team, you could steal their soul, especially yeah, at home. That's the whole Trying point. Trying to make the playoffs. They don't have any – they don't have any of the tiebreakers against the Giants now. I mean, they need a miracle. They're going to try to pull one out over at FedEx Field, and the Browns are going to try to play the spoilers coming up on Sunday afternoon. So much more to come up on this show. Of course, we have the voice here, Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan. He's going to join us. We'll recap the Saints game, look ahead to the game coming up against the Washington Commanders. Also, reminding you fans, set your calendars, set your clocks, and mark your calendars for face-off on the lake presented by Meyer. It's the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium on February 18th. That's February 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines here at First Energy Stadium tickets. They're on sale right now, and they're starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. Coming up next, Jason Gibbs is going to sit down with Browns linebacker Reggie Ragland. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns kicker Cage York. This is Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. This is John Johnson, and you are listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Cleveland Browns preview show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Jason Gibbs here, happy to be joined by Reggie Ragland, the newest member of the Browns defensive unit and a guy that has made his mark. Signed, if I'm correct, December 7th, played a little bit in that game against the Ravens, and then lead the Browns in tackles in just your second week with the football team. PFF grade, one of the highest uh, for a linebacker this year in the NFL. Been quite a December for you. Man, it's been quite a year for me, actually. Um, uh, not doing camp or OTAs and not coming back into the league until week 10, getting signed by the Las Vegas Raiders, and then get picked up. A month later, uh, by the Cleveland Browns, man, and uh, it's been an eventful year, but uh, also a humbling one. You know, um, it gave me time to really get my mind right and my body back and just really see if I wanted to play this game, you know. So, um, but, man, not going to lie, I missed the game a lot. <laughs> I missed it a lot being around uh, the fellas and building the camaraderie with the team and, and just playing the game. So, uh, 
But man, it, it's been a fun it's, it's been a fun year, but also a humbling year. So I'm I'm excited to be here, be with this fan base because you don't get too many fan bases like this in the NFL. And uh, man, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm just happy just to be back playing. You've been around some really good fan bases and played in front of them uh, with Buffalo, who you were drafted by. With Kansas City, you won a Super Bowl beating the San Francisco 49ers. You, you played in front of some of the iconic fan bases. What makes this one so special? Man, um, it's a it's a fan base that's hungry for a winning team and just getting back to the promised land like in the early 40s and 50s, seeing all the banners out there from the early years. Uh, it's time to get back on track, man. And the pieces are here. Uh, just got to be dialed in a little bit more and focus a little bit more. But for the most part, man, uh, this fan base is hungry, and you and you can just see they want to win. They want to cheer on the team and just be all in every year, in which they are. So um, uh, from over the years, me watching as a kid and then getting to play in the league and then playing here once before with uh, with the Chiefs. So man, um, like this is a wonderful fan base that is hungry and and, and they're loyal. No matter what goes on, they're loyal. So. Um, that gives them the right to say some things about the team because they they used to winning. This is a winning city, so and it's a hardworking city too. So, um, man, I, I just want to keep doing my part and uh, hopefully being here next year. Hopefully get the opportunity to be here next year, and man, and hopefully bring some wins here and get in the postseason and go all the way to the Super Bowl. You definitely made an impact here in the early going, at least uh, from the fan base side of things, and hopefully upstairs and with the coaching staff as well. Talk about the day you got that phone call that said, hey, uh, the Browns are picking you up. What was that whirlwind process like, and how, what were the challenges to get up to speed to get ready for this? Um, it was, I ain't going to lie, it was, it was different because, you know, anybody would love to be in the city of Las Vegas and just being there and playing there. But, man, when you get the opportunity to get elevated and play in this league, you, you, you got to take the chance. You got to take that leap of faith and just go. So um, I told my agent, okay, let's do it. So it gives me the opportunity to play in and be seen and, and get some tape out there to let teams know I'm, I still can play this game at a high level. And uh, and that's why, that's why I wanted to show and want to keep showing as, as it's going on. But um, for the most part, it, it didn't take me long. It's just, for me, it's just really just learning uh, how to line up in the terminology. Because once you learn the terminology, you can, you can figure out what piece you're in in the puzzle, in the defense. So once you figure that out, it's, it's become easier. So and, um, and once you learn the terms and hear certain words from the back end, how they coming down and how the safety rotation, everything is, everything become easy after that point. But uh, I'm just, I just got to keep working hard and, and keep understanding what's going on. But um, for the most part, man, I'm just happy just to be here and be playing the game that I love. Jason Tarver is your position coach. What's he meant to you here in the last few weeks since you arrived? Man, from the from the day I got here, uh, eight o'clock in the at night after taking uh, numerous tests and everything, getting the physical done. And man, he stayed with me to I got here probably like at six thirty, and I probably lived till like eight. And he's been very helpful from from the jump. Man, a smart guy, very enthused, how I'm very energetic. So. Um, Man, he, he's a great guy. He, he knows he knows his stuff. You can tell because some guys in this league, you can tell yeah, if they know it or don't know it. You can tell uh, JT knows it. And, man, he's giving me the opportunity to play fast and, and giving me little tools and everything just to be like that. And he's always on me about the little things that my feet work. Uh, even in this past walkthrough, he was on me about just staying low and sliding my feet. So uh, I can appreciate a guy who's consistent as my coach. And I appreciate it a lot, especially when you, you, you know what you're talking about. All right. So... You make your debut against the Ravens, get in for a couple plays. Then you're basically going to play just about every down on Christmas Eve in arguably what might be one of the coldest games in Cleveland Browns history. How did, how did you how did you prepare to, to go up in, into that cold weather? Man, um, 
So I just told myself, just go do what I do, regardless of how cold it is. Um, just go do what got you here, uh, from leaving Alabama to and coming into the league and just having fun playing the game. Yes, it's cold, but, man, the other team, the Saints didn't care about that. So, man, I just wanted to go out there and just play the game and just have fun, you know, and not try to overdo it or think too much because um, I haven't played in a year, really. So, um I just wanted to go out there and have fun and just play the game. And I wanted to do my job for, for these guys out there on the field that's been here. And I wanted to show the guys on the team that I can play ball. And I know some guys have heard of me, but that don't mean nothing. And like It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It's all about what you're going to do going forward. And I just want to show them guys I can play. You've overcome a lot of challenges. The enlarged aorta that they found right before, the, uh, right before your draft, torn ACL your rookie year, and then, you know, like you mentioned, not playing here for the last almost year. Um, what's been the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome? Uh, I wouldn't even say it's the injuries or the aorta or even it's just the mental battle of not playing and knowing you can play in this league with guys in this league. And you, and it's been shown up time after time. And, and just because I'm not the sm- smallest linebacker. so But uh, I know I can play this game. And I know – what got me here is making tackles, running sideline to sideline, understanding defenses and seeing things and reacting fast. So I know I can play this game, and I just got to keep doing it and keep showing it. And I got to keep I got to keep giving myself the best opportunity. No matter just always doing cardio every day or studying a little bit more or just talking to the guys in the facility and just understanding what they want me to do in my role. So, man, I just always want to come in and just do my job and don't cause no problems. And I just want to play ball and have fun. Best piece of advice you've ever gotten. You've played for some really good coaches uh, over the over your span of your career, college and pro. Best piece of advice you've ever gotten. Man, I'll probably say I, it's tough because I didn't play for Andy Reid, and he's always tell you just to let loose and just be yourself and have fun. And we did even with Coach Saban in college, like he always told us to see a little, see a lot. You see a lot, you see nothing. So I'll probably say that just see a little, see a lot. You know, make sure you see the little things. And then the big things that come, like don't try to jump at the, the big things and then you'll miss the little thing of helping you get to where you're supposed to go. So uh, I've already just told myself to make sure I see the little the little stuff first and then it'll take me to the big picture. Goals here for the last two games of the season. Obviously, the playoffs are out of reach, but still a lot to play for. Oh, yeah, man. Um, you, you, you play for your pride and just putting good tape out there because I know, uh, like myself, I'm, I'm in a position where uh, I don't know if I'm be here or not next year, or but I will at least be able to have some tape out there and let teams know I still can play and just show them I can play and, and then know I can line up and play at a high speed and a high level. So, but man, let's just have fun these, these next couple weeks because this team is not going to be the same ever again. And you got to enjoy the moments while you can in this league because you never know when you're not going to be able to play no more or, or you're going to be somewhere else next year. So, man, just give yourself the best opportunity and just go play. I know we are in the heart of. Big Ten country, but did Alabama get screwed over by not getting into the Final Four? <laughs> if we're being honest, man, when you're not do when you're not doing your job, not doing what you're supposed to do, you don't deserve to get in. And which I love Alabama to death, but a lot of the times we shot ourselves in the foot. And even though we had lost by a combined of four points to two teams, but man, when at the end of the game you know not to give up against Tennessee, the middle of the field, 
and you know to get you, keep your hands up and just playing the game and just understanding certain situations. You know they're going to certain people. So, but that's on us. So we we didn't deserve to get in. So uh, we're gonna play in the Sugar Bowl. I don't, I forgot who we playing. Not gonna say a lot. But man, like I said, that team is not gonna be the same either. So man, just enjoy the moments that you have with your guys. And because I'm not gonna lie, I've been out seven years and I miss a lot of them guys. I ain't played with some of them. I ain't talked to in years, but some of them I do I do keep in touch with. But man, just enjoy the moments while you can. All right, Reggie Raglan, appreciate the time. It's been a joy to watch you play. We're looking forward to watching what's to come here in these final two games. Wish you all the best of luck and continued success, and glad you're with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Reggie Raglan with our very own Jason Gibbs in the player spotlight. Be a part of the most passionate fan base in the NFL. Join the Brown season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Coming up next, Gerard and I will go around the league. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Win, lose, or draw, if you don't play to the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team, and we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Browns, Commanders, FedEx Field, Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. The voice of your Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, will join us to preview it coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. Let's go around the league, Gerard, and first things first, the Raiders, they bench quarterback Derek Carr for the final two games of the season. Where's he going to end up, man? Oh, oh, I don't like that look you gave. What's the matter? This doesn't surprise me. You know what they're doing. What's that? This is a preemptive strike. I mean, ultimately, I've been telling you all season, at some point, not all season because I didn't think the Bucks were going to be this way, but at some point I saw a possibility of Tom Brady finding himself in Las Vegas. Why with two games left do you really need to see what you have with your backup? Do you really need to see that? Do you? No. 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 So what they're going to do is who are they going to – now, who are they playing? Who are the Raiders playing here over the final two games? Boy, i got to look that up before I go ahead and ask that question. Now I'm going to bring up ESPN, and they're going to – and, of course, that website's going to go haywire, so now I have to do that. I need to know who they're playing for their final two games because I, I don't think it's about – obviously there's nothing about seeing anything because what's going to happen here is this. Is I, – I don't think – first off, I, well, I don't even know if I'm – I don't even know if there's a point of bringing it up. Like Josh McDaniels – Josh McDaniels isn't going to go anywhere. Right. They're not going to get rid of him. I know that there were some people who wanted him to go go somewhere halfway through the year. He ain't going anywhere. Okay, they go to San Francisco and they go to Kansas oh, City. They're about to get beat down. Okay, well that's that's <laughs> so they're going to finish the season six and eleven. Right. So they go to Kansas City and they go to or San Francisco and they go to Kansas City. For a second, I was thinking, do they hope that they win one of those games with Jared Stidham, and then they could justify? Well, you know, Derek Carr holding us back this and the other. I don't. I have no idea. They're getting rid of they're getting rid of Derek Carr. Long story short, I just agree with you. I, I think you know this is, this is to bring in Tom. This is all to bring in Tom. Go ahead. You know how miserable it must be right now to be in Las Vegas. Miserable. Well, this is I not, thought I thought they were playing for him, Gerard. I really did. I thought they were playing for for Josh McDaniels. Well, think about what's going on right now. A guy who and it's hard to say this because he made some statements, and I'm a I support Derek Carr. I like him. I think he's a likable guy. And all that. So I'm not trying to take a shot at him by any stretch of imagination. Mm-hmm. But when he had that moment where he cried in the locker room, and there's nothing wrong with crying in the locker room, but when he had made that statement about 
certain guys aren't getting on board and we shouldn't be where we're at. He was right about that. But the part where I was saying to myself is like, Derek, you've been there for a long time now. You're yeah. face of the organization. You should have control of that locker room. You should be have an impact on the culture. If, and for this to happen and what it represents, one, I'm not saying Josh is right by doing it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying with two games left, why create more turmoil and dismay in your locker room and divide a team? That's what I'm saying. So I yeah. don't see how you win in this situation unless he's just been that abysmal that everybody's, like, calling for it. Well, you heard Josh Jacobs after the game. I mean, my goodness gracious, like, that's a that's a guy who is not going to be there next year. That, that, I mean, that's what that was. So um, it, it's hard to understand. It's hard to understand. I'm trying to figure out where Derek Carr ends up. Like, he's got – Derek Carr is, I think Derek Carr's high-level replacement, meaning, yes, you can try to find a better quarterback, but there's also plenty of quarterbacks out there that Derek Carr is way better than. Right, plenty. Way better. So it's like it's in this weird category of you're not elite, you're not, nope, we're not discussing getting rid of you, Not he's not in that category. But he's not in the, we got to get rid of this guy. This guy is not good. I don't think he's in that category. He's in that high-level replacement where if something down the line comes down the line that's better, yeah, but I don't know. And, and that means you have to pay that guy a lot of money, and they did. They paid him a lot of money. So yeah, well, go well, ahead. Here's the thing, though, Ken. McDaniel's going to either bring in a rookie or a veteran, right? Yeah. So so with that in mind, he's either trying to, he's trying to save his job ultimately. But I still don't think you railroad Derek Carr and, and safely do that. I well, I don't know if he, I don't know if he needs to save his job just yet. Frankly, I, I agree with you for the most part. I just that that contract is so large, and everything I hear is, well, they're cash poor, they're cash poor, they're cash poor. Now I'm not counting the money of the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get in. A, I don't want to get in a Mark Davis's wallet here because it's it's different. It's not like a player where there's a salary cap and things like that. It's just I don't I don't really know what to do with the guy. And and for a second, you're like, I'm I'm looking at teams right now, Gerard. I'm like, okay, you can end up there, you can end up there. Giants, Jets. Yeah. I don't know. What do you do? What do you do with Daniel Jones? Like he had 334 yards last week. Everybody thought Daniel Jones is good. They lost that game to Minnesota. But before that, I'm like, man, Daniel Jones is he's pedestrian. And mm-hmm. I think that I really think that Brian Dable is getting the best out of Daniel Jones. And I think Derek Carr is better than Daniel Jones. What does you know? Does Mike Vrabel come to call for a guy like? Why Derek would he not? Carr? I would. Exactly. I think he's better option than Tannehill, don't you? Tannehill all of a sudden is beat up and roasted. So I, I think that you're right about. I mean, we've spent this whole time talking about Derek Carr because the quarterback situation. I I don't want to be in the position. Of, well, we got to call out. We got we got to call games and and figure out you know who covers and things like that. I just think it's been so difficult this year because of quarterback play that it's been scattershot. Teams that we thought were going to have good quarterbacks, they haven't played very well. There's been teams that have played very well with quarterbacks. And then there's teams that have started out, like the usual suspects, Josh Allen and the Bills are there. Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes is there. And then there's been a couple of teams that it's just like, "Eh, you know what, I don't know. Tua Tungavailoa, oh, he's the MVP, he's the MVP, he's the MVP. I don't know, did you see the game against the Packers? That's yeah. not MVP. The first That's half was. Earth. That <laughs> but, is, they, I, but they play four quarters. Yeah. Man, alive. 
Yeah. It, it just the the final the final pick that he threw the third pick that he threw I think it was Rasul Douglas who got that one and I go there was one read and one read only and he was going to that spot that uh, you could have Vince Lombardi could have came back and been standing there he was still going to throw to where that spot was it didn't matter that was one read and one read only yeah it's amazing too man when I think about the Dolphins yeah, Jalen Waddle beat us wide open they on did. the other side of the field sorry right. go ahead well, watch them how they played against us. And how they've just pretty much have not played well, but it's a perfect example again of, yes, you can have big score capability, you want explosive plays, but ultimately you have to be physical. And if you're not physical, you're going to lose football games. They've lost to three teams now, ultimately who at the end out physical them. And I thought the Dolphins were might be for real, but nah, they're for fake. Nah, I agree with you. Coming up next, the voice here, Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, will go over the game against the Saints. We'll look ahead to this game coming up on the road at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland, against the Washington Commanders. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Browns taking on the Washington Commanders Sunday, 1 p.m. at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. I got the first. This is going to be the weirdest first question I've. I don't know. I've asked Jim some very weird first questions. Jim Donovan joins us on the show. Jim, do you know whether or not RFK Stadium has been torn down yet? I don't think it has. I, is that? I don't think it has, Ken. I think I think it is still there. Um, and I have to tell you, I can remember the last time being in there. When the Browns played the Washington Redskins at the time, and Ernest Beiner, before he became a Redskin, was still with the Browns and ripped off a huge touchdown run in the last three minutes of the game, and the Browns won the game at RFK. So this is this is how my week's gone. I, I'm, I'm I'm on vacation this week, and we are potty training our youngest. We're 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 coming down the home stretch, and uh, so I have a lot of downtime, Jim. And I was on YouTube, and I was watching this tour of RFK Stadium as it is now, and I'm going, boy, this stadium doesn't look like it's in half bad shape considering, you know, it's it's it hasn't been used since 2017. I go, I bet a lot of people would say this stadium's just as good and, and usable as, as what they have at FedEx Field right now with all the complaints I hear about at FedEx Field right now. Jim, I, I don't know what you're stepping into over there right now. Um, you know what? Uh, FedEx Field is by far, from a broadcaster standpoint, the worst place to do a game. The vantage point is incredibly bad, and the stadium's really run down. And I, you know, I commend them if they're going to get a new stadium. I think that they, uh, they definitely deserve one, along with a lot of other things. Probably new ownership would be at the top of that list. But mm-hmm. the RFK Stadium can um, also, I can remember broadcasting an Indians game in there, because that's where the Washington Nationals played before they got their brand new yeah. ballpark built. Yeah, well, and the thing because they were going around some of the uh, old old offices, and they had the 2007. They had a bunch of media guides from like the Padres and all the visiting visiting teams right. and things like that. So there was a lot of history there. And I'm going, man, RFK Stadium still standing, still it's still. I mean, holding up well for as even though it's. Uh, I think 
I thought it might be. I was like, is it already getting torn down? But it seems like it's going to get torn down here pretty soon. All right. Season's ending pretty soon here, uh, Jim. Brown's coming into this one 6-9. and nine. Washington 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. But with the way the NFC's shaking out, they're, they're still holding on to some playoff hopes over there in Washington. They make a big move today. They're going to put Carson Wentz in at quarterback. Gerard shook his head. He feels it's desperate. He doesn't understand it. I'm in no position to question Ron Rivera. You guys have been in this for a long time. Jim, your thoughts? Well, I think it's um, you know it's it's right down to it for them. I mean, if they if they can win these last couple of games, then they're in the playoffs. If they can beat the Browns, beat Dallas, they're both at home. They're in the playoffs. So it's a pretty drastic move at that to do it at this point in time. I think they saw a little bit of spark in what Carson Wentz did last week in the late stages of the game at San Francisco. The only thing was that game was pretty much out of reach at that point in time. So it's an interesting move. You could definitely see them do it again mid-game. I think they're in that kind of a desperate situation to find some kind of a way to get out of there with a win. So if it means starting Wentz and coming in with Heineke uh, after that, then they would possibly do that. So um, nothing is fixed on this thing. It's probably a very fluid situation. And to answer the question, Ken, the plans, according to the Internet, is for 2023 <laughs> to have a complete demolition of RFK Stadium. Ah. With that being said, okay. Jim, the Browns are in a situation where they can create demolition for the commander's season by winning this football game. How do you foresee us attacking this football team? Because in my opinion, Jim, I think the commanders are a pretty solid football team. Boy, I'll tell you what, Gerard, you take a look at that front four on their defense. Uh, it is tremendous. I thought it was good a couple of years ago when they came in and played the Browns. I thought it was pretty frightening when they came in and played them at that point in time. The Browns did very well. They ran at it that day rather than throw a great deal to kind of stay away from Chase Young and Payne and Allen and all those talented guys that they have up front uh, with their pass rush. So the Browns ran the ball at them very effectively with the combination of Chubb and Hunt. They both had big days on that Sunday afternoon when the Browns beat them at home. So that might be the way to go. And I know we've said that an awful lot throughout this season. And it seems as though the Browns, you know, at times do it. But at other times, of course, you know, they get back into that passing way that they want to throw the football. But I would go back and, and take a look. And I'm sure that the Browns coaching staff will. I would go back and take a look at that film from 2020 when the Browns beat them in Cleveland, and they beat them with the running game. Jim Donovan joining us here on the show. Jim, uh, for for Deshaun Watson, you know, coming into this football game, uh, so much was made of the game against against New Orleans. And again, I, I, I felt like I'm out of the internet loop over the last couple of games, but I've heard some of the podcasts and I've heard some of the national shows. There's been a big difference in the coverage of Deshaun Watson locally and nationally where, hey, I look at that last drive, the balls were there. They could have been caught. They weren't caught. And I think if, if that game goes to overtime and the Browns win that game, we're having a different conversation both nationally and locally uh, about Deshaun Watson going into this game against Washington. Yeah, no doubt. You know, Ken, I wondered if he got them in and scored, I was kind of wondering if they would have gone for two and, and win the game outright. All right, those are – those are yeah. some of the things that we're left wondering. But you're exactly right. I mean, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones had a great opportunity to make the catch in the left corner of the end zone. I think David Njoku should have made the catch down by the goal line. 
I think the sack right at the end of the game, blah. I mean, that was a really bad play. Uh, you want to go down at least throwing the football, but to take a sack at that point in time, is a, it's a bad, bad look. Um, I thought the fact that he got the team down there and engineered that drive, that was a long drive, 17, 18 plays. I thought some clutch plays. Um, but you know what? I think that uh, it was a very disappointing ending. There's no doubt about it. He's got two more games to kind of work with here. He is the main thing that I think we focus on right now. Progress being made, hopefully this Sunday, and then get a good taste of the AFC North once again over in Pittsburgh to end the year and see how he reacts over there and how he plays over there. Uh, and we'll see what the weather is over there, too. I think the weather this week is going to be okay, so he should be fine in that game. So, Jim, you could see a scenario like Ken and I discussed earlier where it might be more passing than running the football, and granted the weather will be con- conducive to that idea since it will probably be in the 50s. So you're okay with the idea that, hey, why not let Deshaun get more, make this more about his progress and his getting adapted right back to the NFL? Yeah, I think, you know, Gerard, I have to tell you, I, I, I really think you have to go, you probably go into it with a couple of different intentions. If you're going to go into it, I think, and say, all right, what's the best way to win the football game? against this team, I think the best way to try and attack them defensively is to run the ball at them and run it hard. Now, you can throw Deshaun Watson into that. Now, I'm not saying that he's only going to throw the ball eight times in the game, but I really believe that that would be the way. If you're going to go in and give them your best shot, that would be the way I think that it would be done, and they've got a film on that from a couple of years ago. But if your intention is you're going to go in and continue the plan of Deshaun Watson – and making him, you know, expand the offense and get more comfortable with his wide receivers, well, then you're going to test that that front four that the commanders have. You're going to throw the football, and you're going to take your shot that way. If it was me, and you're all in on winning the game, and I think this team really, you know, should be going in that way, I go in and I go in with a heavy run game plan. Jim, can't thank you enough for the time. Of course, we'll talk to you on Sunday morning. All right, guys, take care. Have a good night. You too, Jim Donovan, the voice here, Cleveland Browns, joining us here on the hotline. When we come back, Gerard will tell us what he's watching for in this game against the Washington Commanders, and we'll tell you what's coming up later on throughout this week. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Win, lose, or draw, if you don't play the standard, there's corrections to be made, and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team, and we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Thursday night, it's the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Coach and Brown Safety Grant Delpit will join Nathan Zagura and Gerard as the guys count down to Sunday's matchup with the Commanders. Gerard, yes. not a lot of time here. What are we looking forward to in Sunday's matchup in Washington? It's really simple. How are you going to approach this game? Technically speaking, you have nothing to play for other than your pride and the idea that you want to put something good on tape, and that should be your mentality, to go out there and show this organization and show your teammates that you respect the game, that you love playing the game, and you're not just in the game for the simple point of collecting money, but you want to be a part of change and the culture of this football team. So that's what I'm looking for, and it's going to be pretty evident, Ken, who's going with that approach once the game starts and finishes. 
Boy, you're right about that, Gerard. I mean, there's so much to look into, so much to delve from from all these these two games left, not just against Washington, but also against Pittsburgh. And who wants it? Who wants to put something on tape? And who wants to go out there and win and finish the season on a high note? Could look good by the end of this season. I know that you're going to be sounding good coming up tomorrow, the Kevin Stefanski Show, all along the network. Of course, Grant Delpit, coach, are going to be joining you and Nathan's girl on Thursday. Then we will have... Browns game day, 9 a.m. on Sunday, 11 a.m. Browns kickoff show with me, Andy Baskin, and Tyvis Powell, 1 p.m. kickoff. Jim, Nathan, and Gerard from FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. Jason Gibbs, we thank him, our executive producer. For Meredith Kane and Connor Lawrence and Gerard Cherry, I'm Ken Carmen. Thank you for listening to the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Join us next week for more behind-the-scenes Browns news from Berea. We always look at each game as how do we win this game and what does this game call for. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts of the game without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.